Hey guys, this is my first time trying to do this from an Android phone. Can folks hear me? Just give me a thumbs up if you can. Cool. We will uh, we'll get started in a moment. Is the quality okay? Thumbs up if the quality is okay. All right, everyone. Welcome to Single Minded Conversations. I'm your host, Jesse Single. Uh, for the first time ever, trying to do this from my phone, which is Android. They sent me a loaner iPhone. I, I didn't even know that like this was in good shape to actually run a room from an Android phone, but we're going to give it a shot. It is a Sunday night in uh, New York where it continues to be apocalyptically warm. It's very weird, but it's nice. Like the blazing foliage with uh, 70 something temperatures. It's going to be 76 tomorrow. I'm sure that's normal. I'm sure it's nothing to worry about. Um, so one thing I want to talk about, as usual, I'm mostly just going to take your calls, questions, comments, whatever. Uh, the Kiwi Farms thing is interesting. I, you know, this was something I covered a month or two or 28 ago. I can't remember when anything happens. Um, you know, it's very, very offensive site, sort of an online message board, gossip board, a lot of slurs, a lot of 4chan, something awful style lingo. Oh, calls are off. Oh, wait. Confirm. Okay, call should be on now. Folks should be able to get in the queue. I just did not switch the thing. Thank you, Neil. Um, what's interesting to me is that these attempts, the attempt to keep Kiwi Farms offline appears to have escalated to the point of like internet service providers intentionally stymieing consumers ability to access the site. This is a little bit different from Cloudflare refusing to offer protection, uh, which was still bad and, and, and a step forward. I, it's interesting to me that other than the electronic frontier foundation, which like this is their thing. If you do like a Google news search for Kiwi farms, unless I'm missing something, nobody's writing about this and it's, Sort of a big deal. Like a lot of the people not writing about this were freaking out over over net neutrality back when, you know, this horrible idea that certain traffic could be favored over others or companies could pick and choose winners and losers. Um, there's a lack of principle here because this is a version of that. This is not – it might not be a sympathetic side to a lot of people. I do think some of the claims about it are, are overblown, including – this idea that it like caused um, multiple suicides, which as far as I can tell, if you look into those cases, it's a lot more complicated than that to uh, use my catchphrase, but it, it's a really big deal for an internet service provider, for one of these like backbones of the internet, um, for these sorts of companies to really just say, we're not going to let you access this site. That's different from hosting. That's different from DDoS protection. It's really them interfering with people's ability to, access a website they want to access. And until now, I, I don't think ISP saw it as their job to say, we're going to tell you what you can and can't access. Um, this gets a little bit more complicated with illegal content, but Kiwi Farms doesn't appear to host illegal content or when it pops up by a user, it seems to be taken down quickly. So I find that, um, Neil, when you went on with your VPN, you were able to access it. I found that if I signed on, uh, if I signed on from the Netherlands, I could get to it. Yeah. Um, 
it, the lack of any sort of principle or curiosity among journalists, tech journalists, is is really interesting to me because the whole reason to have one of the reasons to have liberal beliefs about this stuff is you don't know who's going to be in charge, you don't know what's going to get banned or why, who's going to get deplatformed or why. So, you know, it's sort of a historical accident that at the moment uh, ISPs would listen to the folks who are mad at Kiwi Farms. You could meet easily imagine a situation where ISPs decide they're going to stymie traffic to, you know, uh, pro-choice websites or, or to police skeptical websites. There's so many other ways this could go. And, and the lack of anyone writing about it in an informed manner and, and this tendency for journalists to just be like, well, it's my job to add my voice to the fray of people saying Kiwi Farms is bad and to let the story end there. It just worries me. I, I think at the end of the day, it's probably easier than ever for powerful people to do questionable things as long as they like drape themselves in the right social justice language and say the right things. And I, there's just a lack of skepticism of corporate power that I find disturbing. And I'm definitely not some sort of like burn the system down, capitalism must end guy, but I, I don't want big companies to be able to decide what websites I am and I'm not allowed to see. Uh, I think adults should be able to decide that for themselves. Um, and I don't, I mean, I guess like to a certain extent, the, the sub stack thing is helping the pendulum swing back. Um, folks should get in the queue, by the way, because I only have so much to spiel about this. Um, you know, the rise of independent journalists who can say stuff about this or, you know, block reported. We've talked about it on block reported. We can make a living doing that. That's great. But like you want the folks who work for mainstream publications and you have like resources and editors and fact checkers behind them. I think you want them to be a little bit more curious. And I'm wondering how many current tech reporters have much of a background in like, you know, genuine questions of censorship or free speech or corporate power versus I think a lot of people are getting shuttled into tech reporting or culture reporting or politics reporting just because they have like strong feelings about social justice. And there's nothing wrong with having a strong feeling about social justice, but it, it could in some cases interfere with your ability to do good reporting, I guess. Um, I've got a little more on this, but let me go to Andrew. Uh, Andrew, yeah, what's see, up? So um, I was just trying to think of, of something that would be interesting to bring up to you. Uh, what do you think about the new Birdwatch uh, feature on Twitter? And what do you think about the idea that maybe something like that in the future could evolve into uh, a new mainstream, you know, source of, of the press? Because it, it, it seems like being able to track accuracy, um, you know, across work for, for one particular journalist would, would really clean up a lot of the bad behaviors out there. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm not as familiar with birdwatch but basically anything i mean the idea is to sort of improve transparency and like hold people accountable for getting stuff wrong more or less and and, and then the idea is that when when the annotation is added so on a single tweet like i think there was one that biden or not biden of course but someone in the white house tweeted about um, Biden increasing social security payouts, but really it was just because it, it's already tracked to go up with inflation. So it adds context in situations like that. Right. And then there's a voting, there's a voting apparatus behind the scenes to make sure that it's not, or well, to reduce the likelihood that it's going to be partisan. Who does the voting behind the scenes? So I guess what they do is they, they put, and this is where it gets sort of 
finicky, right? So they they put groups into different tranches, right? Let's like if you're liberal and conservative or whatever, and then they track that across the groups. The annotation is found to be helpful, and then I guess that's what helps drive it uh, to be promoted. So it's it's taking into the voting mechanism that the annotation should be bipartisan. And that okay. that's that's the ideal happy path. Yeah. I um I mean I, I like stuff like that in theory. I think I'm probably pretty pessimistic about how fixable misinformation is on places like Twitter. I, I just people are so motivated to share misinformation and to lot look at stuff critically. I, I just mm-hmm. I'm not sure how much new features can help. I think like I try to focus on norms and shifting people's norms. That might sound naive right. and exotic. Yeah, what, what do you think of Birdwatch? Well, so I, I, I really like the idea of it, but to me, it, it's you, you have to have multiple pieces in place before it, it can have, like, I, I'm trying to think of how to explain this, but it, it, I, I hear what you're saying about norms, but I feel like those norms only ever existed because of the way the... Um, of the way the incentives were set up in the old world. Right. So like right. Um, you, you had to have a certain reputation, you know, that you were always attached to a paper that could be sued. So they had to make sure that you were being accurate. But now the, the only, the only metric really for success is attention. Uh, I mean, there's still some, some of the old stuff from the old institutions hanging on there, but the, the massive, massive incentive now is just to say something that will attract attention. And then long-term memory is, is so degraded that you could be wildly wrong, update it later, and it really doesn't affect the impact of your next, you know, attention grabber. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I get what you're saying. I do think there's ways to, like, when I talk about norms, I mean, like, even an, a, a pseudonymous Twitter account with 20,000 followers, I don't know, isn't there a way to make it that people are incentivized to, like, do the right thing in terms of sharing stuff without checking it or, or sharing rumors. I, I feel like there's some work at the... Well, yeah, I, I think you have to connect the amplification to a reputation score. And I and I know that sounds Orwellian. Um, and I, I think there are ways that you could do it where it, it wouldn't quite... Where you could do that in a very Republican, in the sense of a republic, not conservative, in a, in a republic way, where, you know, you have rights and you can appeal things, but that you should have massive disincentives to ever lie to people because that should directly affect the way that you can amplify whatever you're putting out. Right. The problem is it's just like, so in practice, a lot of people say stuff is a lie that they just don't like. And a lot of important stuff will get 20,000 people who love it and 20,000 people are hate it who hate it. So, right. You know, how does a system handle those sorts of like scissor statements where it's like very, where it elicits very strong feelings on both sides? How should the system like interpret that? So, so here's the way that I would do it, right? So, if I were so, and again, this is hand wavy, I'm here. Um, but basically, look up the list of whoever is going to, you know, serve on whatever the the jury like system is for this, right? Because somebody has to look on it and make a decision. Um, only include people who are not who have not ever viewed the statement before, um, and then strip out the information about who posted it. So they have to view it in a vacuum, and then allow the person who's posting it to write some sort of appeal statement. Um, and then, based on other you know reputation score stuff, 
have somebody write the argument against and then just have the people in the background, you know, make the choice. And then what I, what I think you do on top of that, right, is because you could always come up with the wrong choice is if later in time that person turns out to be obviously correct. Yeah. Um, you, you build in, you build that into your reputation system where they get a huge boost for sticking, you know, by their guns when they were right and everyone thought they were wrong. Yeah. Um, so GD Holtby just said content moderation has skills and unsolved and probably unsolvable problem. And, and when I hear you describe a system that sounds good to me or reasonable to me, although the devil would be in the details, uh, how does that work on a social media platform where, you know, the name of the game is frictionlessness and the ability to spread stuff fast and where there'd be no business model at all for Twitter if, you know, folks could quickly their reputation score could quickly sap them of influence or if they, if there was all of this like back channels or background stuff going on with voting, I just feel like it would get complicated really quick. for No, no, it's, it's, it certainly would. Right. Yeah. So you, 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 this introduces another problem because you know, who wants to spend their whole time, like having rigorous, you know, legalistic arguments. So what, what I, I think you'd have to attach um, money to it. So the, the um, so one, I guess to your point, the, the first part of what uh, I'm trying to solve here is, you know, you can't have a room of 20 people or 100 people or even 2,000 people moderating the content produced by 200 million people. Yeah. That's, that's just, ne this just never going to work. Um, so these companies can't do this. You, you have to give the power to make that moderation to the users themselves. And then everything that I'm talking about would happen strictly in the background. Uh, and then what you need to do is just filter it out so that you're doing the impactful stuff. So um, as people build their reputation scores up, if you're wrong all the time, it should cost you money to try to, to moderate something. And if you're right all the time, it should be very easy for you to do it until eventually you're given the benefit of the doubt with some. And, and again, there's the devils in the details here. And I've thought about this way too long, to be honest with you. <laughs> but but you could always downregulate. Um, like massively if you get caught lying. So you would incent the behavior in the background where where people, and you just get enough of them from the user base um, by, by figuring out what the market clearing price is for the moderation queue, uh, where you'd have an, enough decentralized people weeding out the bad actors that, that, you, that you don't run into these problems where people are both doing this all the time, dishonestly, um, or not not doing it enough, and you've got a, your site flooded with crap, gotcha. right? Like, yeah, no. Look, this all it, this all sounds smart to me in theory. I just can't imagine it ever scaling up for something like Twitter, especially if like money was involved, which would just make everyone freak out about what they saw as unfair decisions. You know? No, no, certainly. And I think I think it would have to. Um, I mean, it would have to prove itself out. Like the, the thing the thing I always about is is COVID. Right. Because there were a lot of people who ended up being right in the long run, who who were shouted down in a lot of ways by, um, you know, the 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 mainstream authoritative voices. Yeah. Um, all right. Let me think more about that. I'd also I'd also like to read more about, like, theoretical ideas for, um, you know, this sort of moderation. So so ping me uh, if you have any good reading on that. But I appreciate the thoughts, Andrew. You've definitely thought a lot more about this than I have. Absolutely. Thanks, Jesse. Thank you. Neil, what's up?
So two things. One, today is like SAO day one, right? Like where in universe, like the game started and people couldn't leave. So question one, have you seen Sword Art Online? Sorry, what's SAO? Oh, okay. So basically it's like a pretty big like anime series where it's like, like really blew up with like VR where people like play the game and then they couldn't leave. So if you die in the game, you die in real life. That was just like the... But it's uh, like a it's it has issues, but I would say especially with season three, it's like worth a watch. But okay. today was like the in universe day that like was super important. So a lot. I'm always at a disadvantage and talk about online culture because I'm so unfamiliar with anime. <laughs> well, you it's definitely a good one to start with. You know, it definitely will interest yeah. Um But then more seriously, my second question was: so I've been thinking about this, you know, similar to my previous question, but um, or like in previous days, um. What what are your thoughts on the N-word and people, like, not being allowed to say it because of the race or whatever? Because when Joe Rogan was canceled, right, it was for saying the N-word and then the one joke and then also the COVID stuff. And then he, when he came out and apologized, he said he should have never said it, right, that, you know, white people should never say the N-word. But then when Sam Harris came out and defended him, he actually pushed back on Joe saying, Joe's wrong. You know, it in in it, the, the context does matter. And just saying it, like, isn't isn't innately wrong based on your race. But then... Why I was disappointed with Sam was that Sam is in like a super, like, economic, like, he's fine. He's like beyond cancellation, right? Because people, again, Sam still says the N word. He doesn't actually say the word. So he's not like living by the principle that it would be fine to say it. So I wonder, like, what your thoughts on that were. I don't know. I mean, I, uh, hold on, I'm about to sneeze. I'm not trying to get out of this. Excuse me. Don't mute for the ASMR. You should. No, oh, God. Um, <laughs> I think there's obviously a difference between using a word as a slur and mentioning it, like in the context of talking about it. Uh, I also think that, I mean, this is, you, you had another question where I basically just said, it's sort of like a matter of, of choosing your battle. So like we, you know, we defended Mike Pascal when he got fired from slate for not even, I mean, he had used the word, but he used the word at around the same time Slate was just regularly, eh, semi-regularly using the word in its own online pages. He got mm-hmm. fired just for arguing that white people should be able to use it and, like, mention it. Um, at this point, it's clear that uh, if you mention it, people will try to destroy your career and reputation and basically treat it as, treat that as, um, like directly analogous to using it as a slur, which I just think is pretty ridiculous. But I also think, you know, I I would argue against that understanding and I would argue against that understanding without using the word just because I don't feel like getting in trouble and because some people will be offended by it. I, I think everyone understands that if I say the word kike is bad and is an evil word hurled against Jews, that is different from calling someone a kike. And I think I should be able to I, I I would if a non-Jewish person said that sentence I just said I wouldn't find that offensive. Um, so I think it's silly, and I think in a way it sort of sometimes gives the word too much contemporary power. I mean, the fact is, in 2022, if you call someone that and people find out, your life will be ruined over it. Um, you know, and and it's not like people are powerless to fight back if they face racial slurs in 2022. So to say that someone just for using it should get in trouble. That's, that's never sit right with me. You know, not just, it wasn't just Mike Pesca. It was also Donald McNeil Jr. So that's my view. I just, I, I wouldn't say it cause I just don't want to deal with it. You know, I don't, I don't think, I think you can use words to 
There's also, I, I got to say, like some of the coverage of it, that some coverage of controversies involved using the N-word get a little bit confusing because they, A, will conflate using it as a slur and mentioning it, and B, sometimes we don't even know the slur that was used because papers won't be clear about what slur. So it, it just it gets journalistically weird too, and I think sometimes you just need to use the word to explain what's going on. So I think your position is totally rational, but when everyone makes that rational decision, like game theory, it's like, then that allows the, what I think is a bad social standard to just continue, right? It just only grows because everyone's making the, for themselves, rational decision to not fight that battle. And then, then everyone loses, right? Like, I don't know. Like, it's, it's same with just like fighting wokeness in general, right? Like, no one stands up because individually they all like, like lose their job or whatever. And then if everyone stood up together, right? Then it wouldn't, like, it would, I don't know. I feel like. But people, but people stand up. I mean, people thought it was ridiculous. Donald McNeil Jr. got fired and we said so. And people thought it was ridiculous. Pesca got, uh, well, I guess in both cases they sort of quote unquote resigned, but um, people stand up. It's just, do you want to stand up to make the argument they shouldn't have gotten in trouble, or or is it that important to use the word yourself? And I just, I just, you know, I some of this was going down. I recorded my audiobook, which which mentions the word in the context of a uh, reported to the Chicago Police Department calling black people that. And I at the last minute, I just, I just didn't read the word. So maybe I'm a coward. Obviously, I wouldn't have meant it. In context, it would have been clear why I mentioned it. Um, it just didn't seem worth it to me. So, I mean, I guess you're right that, like, the folks who are willing to wreck people's careers over this have been able to, to win and sort of change the rules of language. I just don't feel that strongly about using it versus talking about the controversies. So then what do you think about other words now, like, gaining the status, right? Like, the... The F word for gay people it used to you'd be able to say it, and now it's like almost on the same level, right? I think some people still say it, but it's 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 getting up there, right? And then also like, you know, the the C word for women, and you know, other things are like kind of growing, and like the inability to say that. Do you think that 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 the N word is unique, or do you think other words are going to keep joining this in the kind of you can't Maybe say this in American case. context? The N word will always be unique, just because we have like we've had more racism against one particular group than any other group. So, but yeah, no, there seems to be a trend here that you can't. Um, you know, say these words even to describe them as words or as slurs, which I, you know, I, as as a free speechy guy, I think that's silly. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Well, that, that was my question. Watch SAO. Yeah. SAO. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Neil. Um, yeah. The um, the Mike Pesca thing was was so insane to watch it unfold, especially like the chat logs eventually leaked. Uh, Again, this just gets down to my, like my own resentments against some other journalists who have like jobs people want, but like the I don't know. I, I don't like the term gaslighting, but like everyone knows that for a while it was a case that was seen as like acceptable in context to use the word and slate. Do not watch SAO. Oh my god. Okay. We've got a big controversy brewing over whether or not SAO is good. Uh, ZXC, if you want to hop on and give your side, I'm happy to hear you out. But wow, this is getting really controversial. Anime Wars. Um, <laughs> there's a fight going out of the chat about SAO. I still don't know exactly what SAO is. Um, I think what annoys me, and I was talking about this dynamic recently with someone, is changing the rules. And then as you change the rules about something, announcing you're not allowed to disagree with this rule change. And you see this in some areas. This is one where Slate had a lot of articles where they mentioned that word, like in context. Obviously, they weren't using it as a slur. To go from it's just 
on there. It's in our archives. We've used it to, you can get an HR trouble just for arguing we should be able to use it. That doesn't strike me as right. And I just think there's a sort of person who like, I don't know, weaponizes HR and isn't willing to have a debate. And I've been disenchanted by the fact that more and more um, folks in journalism are in this category. Uh, I just, I just think we need to be able to debate changes to like the norms that prevail in our, in our social institutions or in our professional institutions. And uh, yeah, it's been a frustrating time to be a journalist for sure. Um, wait, your incapability inca to communicate. Schnarf is arguing that the N word is not as bad as saying the word like so many times. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think the point is um, the whole DEI thing suggests that I'm actually writing something on this uh, for an outlet that will hopefully run. The idea that if we can just get people to use or not use the right words, justice will flow forth is not very realistic. Um, obviously, if you had a workplace or a school where people are using racial slurs, that has to stop. And, uh, you know, racial harassment can be against the law in some cases. There can be violations of the Civil Rights Act. But uh, the obsession with controlling language um, and and some of the gender stuff is like even worse than the race stuff in this. Uh, it's so counterproductive. It turns people off of the cause and it just, it doesn't really have anything to do with like making the world a better place. I think basically if you're someone who feels strongly about these issues and wants to feel like you're making progress, you, you can make real progress changing the language people use. I mean, now everyone's saying sex assigned at birth. That wasn't really a thing five years ago. So maybe it feels to the people for who, for the people who don't want biological sex use, maybe it feels like we've now made a lot of progress toward justice because everyone's saying assigned sex at birth. I don't think so, but you know, they're not fighting conservatives trying to pass anti-LGBT laws. They're doing these very small bore fights about language that get very intense and tend to catch more liberals and lefties uh, in the crossfire than conservatives. So I've, um, in case you can't hear it in my voice, I've been just so much frustration with the direction journalism has taken and, and a lot of academia and sort of the activism and NGO words, worlds. It's not, it's like 10, 15, 20% of people, but they're, they're very loud and they like trying to get people fired. And it's just, it's hard to fight back against. Uh, we actually got a good email from a professor asking like what she could do and I had used the word coward a couple of times to describe folks who won't stand up for like, you know, you work at Slate, you should stand up for Mike Pasca. This person pointed out that if you're like an early career academic, getting involved in one of these fights can really cause a lot of harm to your career for a very long time. So um, I don't think it's as simple as anyone who doesn't speak up is a coward, but I think folks in positions of some power where all they're risking by speaking up is like some inconvenience or the 25 year olds in the organization yelling at them or doing mean Slack comments or emojis or what did Barry Weiss get? Uh, was it someone put like an ax next to her name or something? Um, I don't know. People need to speak up. I guess there's like some progress being made, but, but a lot of this stuff is really, uh, it's really, really bad. Um, yeah. There's one other point I wanted to make about, uh, the Kiwi Farms. Oh, I think um, it's interesting. Joshua Moon, who runs Kiwi Farms, has done. Uh, we asked him if he wanted to talk to us when we were doing the podcast. 
I don't understand why journalists wouldn't want to interview someone who like comes across as a supervillain, um, at least from their point of view, because you could probably get some interesting stuff out of that interview. If you just like literally, you could literally just bring him the most offensive stuff he said and be like, you know, do you stand by this? Do you think this helps your cause? Uh, you could try to draw him out on some of his ideas about free speech because he really is like an internet supervillain at this point. He's in, what is it? I think Serbia. Um, just like doing everything he can to keep up this this website that fundamentally doesn't matter uh, to keep it up. And, he, and he's getting chased around by sort of the internet cops. And it's just like, it seems like there's such a good story there that no one's really like willing to tell because to actually do the journalism to tell the story. You'd have to say stuff a little bit more complicated than like Kiwi Farms is Nazis or Joshua Moon is a Nazi. Um, and so many journalists just can't get through. This sounds weird, but they can't get past like the slurs. And if you go on 4chan or you go on certain corners of something awful, there are a lot of slurs. It's a way to keep like the normies out. But I don't know. I understand why it's hard. <laughs> this argument doesn't make sense. Like, yeah, there are a lot of racial slurs, but it isn't really about the racism. It really is just about being transgressive. And nobody understands or few people understand like in these communities, how important it is to be transgressive. And the whole thing is built around that. So I hope someone somewhere, I hope a well-resourced tech journalist actually writes like a good start to finish account of this whole Kiwi farms thing, especially if Kiwi farms ends up just not being able to stay online and the American um, internet. Yeah. Sorry. I mean, something awful has been very anti-slur for a while now. My sense was like, um, uh, FYAD and stuff was that's where a lot of the edge lord stuff came from, right? I was not a part of something awful back in the day. My sense is a lot of the worst stuff on the internet started in certain something awful forums. And I know, like, by the end of his life, low tax was had very much turned against that stuff. Uh, and yeah, I'm not saying something awful now is like a slurry place, I'm saying that a lot of this history dates back to there. So I don't know, maybe folks disagree with me, but um or I, I could be correct on that. I don't know enough about the something awful history, just that it was incredibly influential at the time. But um, uh, yes, so that's on my journalistic wish list is someone to actually do a good story about the Kiwi Farms thing, including getting the ISPs on the record about like how they're making this decision. Um, there's a problem where folks just sort of repeat, well, it's a dangerous website. They incite violence. They dox people. It's like, I don't know, man. A lot of websites do the same stuff as this. A lot of websites, you can find people's personal information. I, I don't understand what feasible standard we can have other than ISPs need to let you access websites unless, like, there's a legal – like, the legal stuff gets more complicated. But, like, if there's nothing illegal going on, um, it is shocking to me that nobody sees this as a pretty big deal. Uh, and no one will really write about it because – Nobody will touch the poo, as it were. Touch the poo is what Kiwi Farm says about, like, don't mess with um, the people they write about in real life. Don't harass them online or offline. It's a little bit disingenuous because, of course, if you have 20,000 pages about a mentally ill internet micro-celebrity, it's a little disingenuous to be like, oh, yeah, we're going to endlessly, endlessly, endlessly talk about them. We're going to post their address. We're going to follow the, their every move online. But don't interact with them you know, directly. Uh, it just seems like these communities probably do incite a fair amount of harassment, but 
I don't know. I just think a lot about some of my experiences on Twitter, which have been like every bit, in some cases, as vicious as anything you'll see on Kiwi Farms. The one exception being like on Twitter, uh, doxing really is, uh, you can't do it. You could lose your account over it and people will call you out for it for the most part. But even there, I was do- uh, someone attempted to dox me on Twitter recently and like folks were openly celebrating it. So uh, the lack of any sort of principles here, the lack of any sort of like shared understanding of which sort of behavior is and isn't allowed um, is is bad. Holtby says, let's see here. How do I get the chat? I'm having all sorts of problems today. Pay, pay Katie and me $5 a month to be brave. I'll take it. Um yeah, the, I think there's – well, okay, so highly skeptical of Kiwi Farms don't touch the poo. I think a subset of the folks on that website mean it because my sense is their ethos is like these folks are beneath direct interaction with. We just want to observe them and chronicle their deeds. It's a little bit weird. It's a little bit twisted because like obviously they're not below you if you spend this much time thinking and posting about them. But I think some of them mean it. I think it's undoubtedly the case that some folks on Kiwi Farms – engage in harassment and try to get a rise out of these folks. Um, oh God, Candace Owens, anti-Semitic crap. That's not good. I don't need, dude, if you told me um, seven years ago or whenever it was that I wrote about Candace Owens, that she would now be this like ultra superstar. It's so depressing. I just found there to be something so off there from the very start, just like the conspiracy theorizing. She was like really addled. Folks should read the article I read, wrote, or if you want, um, just Google my name and Candace Owens. She launched a change.org petition because she was mad. I wrote an article pointing out that she was confused and agitated about stuff. She got really, really upset about it. Um, yeah, it's not, it's a bad sign for America that she is now in a position of such influence. And uh, uh, yeah, I do think there's a thing where, you know, for obvious reasons, conservatives like to flip the script and they like to be able to trot out, you know, black spokespeople and black celebrities. So, and Candace Owens is like in her deranged way, I don't know about polished because like she wouldn't be able to answer any follow-up questions or anything, but she's like charismatic and photogenic. So you can see why, why she was picked for that. Um, Okay, if there's drama between Candace Owens and Ben Shapiro, that definitely seems interesting, and I will definitely look into it. Uh, right, G.T. Holtby, here's this person's address and workplace and personal info, but no one should actually harass him in real life. That would be terrible, wink, wink. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I think that's pretty ridiculous. But the question isn't whether they're being honest or whether they're disingenuous. The question is, should they be allowed to exist on the internet? Um, and I do think a lot of the stuff on Twitter where like 10,000 people are piling on one helpless schmuck, it's the exact same thing by, by, you know, if you're the average 150,000 follower account and you dunk on the person everyone else is dunking with, and I'm sure I've done this, you're, you're contributing to the possibility someone will harass them. You're keeping them in the spotlight. You're making sure more people will know about them being bad or whatever. So I just think it's it's disingenuous to pretend that like Kiwi Farms is beyond the pale. The only – the doxing is different. The slurs are different. That's why people think they're beyond the pale. But so many of the people complaining about this engage in really similar behavior on Twitter. They just do. And, and God knows what's going on in like Slack channels and behind-the-scenes group chats and stuff. Um Okay, I talked slightly too much this episode. This was because I didn't have enough. I didn't give folks enough notice. 
but the calls and questions we have are good. And as always, I appreciate you guys tuning in. And I would just ask you to spread the word about the show. Tell other folks I'm doing it. And uh, yeah, one of you write a uh, long investigative article about Kiwi Farms that quotes both Joshua Moon and uh, various ISP higher-ups at length. I'll be waiting for that. Just email me when you've written that, okay? Thank you, guys. Have a good night.